study. Um, it's new, new material, not new because nothing new in the uh, in the Bible, nothing new under the sun. But uh, it's not one of those uh, sermons that an evangelist has uh, preached uh, twenty or fifty or a hundred times. But uh, it's just something, some things that the Lord has laid on my heart, and uh, from my my age and my viewpoint, and uh, so on. And so tonight I want to talk to us about friends, family, fellowship, and relationships. Uh, our next, the oldest son, is a, a biker, not a motorcycle, he, he, but he, he and his wife ride a tandem bike. Their goal last year was 2,015 miles, and they went beyond that. Their goal this year is, yeah, you guessed it, 2,016 miles. And, uh, and uh, they anticipate going beyond that. But riding a tandem bike, they have a saying. And I think it's a great lead into what, what I want us to think about tonight. And it, it says, it doesn't matter which direction your relationship is going. It'll go a lot faster on a tandem bike. So, uh, anyhow, and so, uh, uh, they, they are, they are that kind of bikers. Uh, so let's pray. Father, as we look into your word tonight, Lord, I ask you to cleanse my heart, open my heart to what you have for us. I pray, Lord, that it would be an encouragement, an instruction, a challenge, thought-provoking, helpful. Lord, I pray that you would meet with us now in a very special way. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. And in just a moment we'll read, but let me talk to you just a bit about this important subject. I heard about a family, a couple. I don't know what happened, but they lived in the same house and didn't speak for 18 years. <laughs> you know, what an incredible, what an incredible existence. Why would you do that? Um, there's a uh, there are so many things in our in our culture today. There's a sense of uh, vengeance, getting revenge. I'll get even with you, and uh, so on. God's word is so clear on the kind of relationships that we should have, and yet how many times people are people are careless about taking care of it. I think of a young pastor that I was preaching in a summer camp this summer. And um, <clears throat> young pastor and his brother had a misunderstanding over a business matter. And uh, they both were helping in camp, but they weren't speaking. And um, <clears throat> at our 
at the prayer meeting after all the day's activities were over if the one would walk in the other brother who's a pastor would walk out now how many times I think of families through the years as a pastor and how many times I've counseled with families in settling an estate, taking care of property, how many times there's been dissension, misunderstanding, animosity, uh, and so on. I want us tonight to understand that there's absolutely no reason, no right reason whatsoever to have an unresolved animosity. There's absolutely no reason to have an unresolved animosity. Life is way too short. Life is way too short to waste it on hard feelings and that sort of thing. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 21, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Now that's what the law required. That's what the Old Testament law required. Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Jesus, therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. Now that was a generous thing, not something he had to do, but out of his generosity and out of his compassion, he did. But the same servant went out, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, just a pittance compared to the debt that he owed his, uh, his master. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. I think that's the, I think it's such a graphic verse, you know, doing by the throat and, uh, and so on. And, uh, and he would not. But went and, and, let's see, and his fellow servant fell down at his feet, verse 29, and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, 
after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now let's just think for a minute about forgiveness. Forgiveness is to forgive someone is as though it never happened. To forgive someone is as though it never happened. It, uh, it, it, there, it's as though we, we have no record of it. And so, when you forgive someone, it's as though it didn't happen. It's a, it's, uh, it's a moat question. Now, that being the, that being the case, that being the case, there's absolutely no right reason for us to bear, to bear or to carry animosity against someone whom we have determined have wronged us in whatever way and whatever reason. Um, my family, our family, um, we have five kids. Two boys, a girl, and two boys. People say, oh, that poor girl. No, it's poor boys. You don't know if you know our daughter anyhow. Uh, there's a, uh, but um, uh, we have we have five children, and um, we get together for a reunion. And uh, I was preaching in a, in a in a revival meeting, and um, the pastor had a couple take us out to eat, and at the end of that meeting, we were going to go and meet our kids for one of our annual reunions. And um, the lady of the couple that took us out to eat, as we were talking about this, and we were looking forward to it, and anxious to see the kids and like that, and she said, how can you do that? I said, what do you mean? She said, how can you spend that time together and not be at each other's throats? How can you have that time together and, and not just end up having a knockdown drag out? I thought, oh my word. What a tragedy. How sad. You know, what we do is we go to Las Vegas. <laughs> but I need to add some information. All right. We go to Las Vegas because all the kids can fly in there cheaper than anywhere else. Then we rent a big house. Six bedrooms, four baths. Three days. We eat and talk. By the way, no grandkids. No great-grandkids. We now have, what, 16 great-grandkids? Anyhow, uh, we uh, no grandkids. No great-grandkids. Just our immediate family. My wife, myself, and our Five kids, and we have a wonderful time. 
talking about ministry, talking about the past, remembering things, learning, learning things we didn't know they did, uh, you know, on and on. What, what, a, what a delightful time. What an incredible time. And uh, what a joy to be together as a family and just to love each other and spend that time together and, and have tender moments and time honoring the Lord and, and remembering how good God is and so on. What a tragedy for families not to have that. How sad. How sad. Need to work at it. Let me challenge you. Let me challenge you to have that kind of a family, that kind of a home life, that kind of opportunities uh, together. Um, I'm reminded of uh, David um, as a little boy or as a young boy and um, uh, going to uh, going to the battlefront, taking things uh, that is father had sent and um, and taking those things and um, arriving at the battlefield and uh, you remember the story and um, Goliath came out big loud mouth giant and uh, bellered and and everybody quaked and shook and uh, and and David said you know what's the meaning of this and they said well he's a He's a giant. He's a he's a champion of their cause. He's violent. He's dangerous. He's and so on. And uh, David and uh, David pursued it further. And, and his brothers were his brothers. Made, they just oh kid, why didn't you, why didn't you just pack up and go home? Why'd you have to come and embarrass us here? And uh, you, you don't have any you don't have anything to do in this. And yet David said, but isn't there a cause? This man's an enemy of God. And of course, you know the story. Uh, David took some little stones and he sling and uh, Goliath got stoned. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, and uh, fell down dead. Uh, there, there's a, but you know, here are these brothers. Instead of, instead of welcoming their, their brother from uh, from home and the things that his dad sent along, instead they made fun of him and and they were overcome with animosity. Um, in Genesis, Genesis 37, and this is such an uh, amazing story, and I'll I'll try to just uh, uh, to uh, somewhat um, um, make it, make it as concise as I can. Um, Joseph was, at that point, the youngest son of, uh, of Jacob and, uh, son of Rachel. And, um, uh, he was 17 years old. And his dad, he, he was a favorite. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe there's a danger here in that. A parent, a parent shouldn't have a favorite. You know, you should love all of your children equally, and yet each one of them is unique, and you love each one of them 
uniquely uh, because of their tenderness or their strength or their this or their that. But uh, Jacob loved Joseph and gave him a coat of many colors and, uh, and then sent him to uh, carry uh, some, uh, some things that they needed to the battlefront, they, and uh, they saw him coming. And he had had a dream, and actually two dreams, and in these dreams he saw, he saw for instance, sheaves by bowing down to him. And he told his brothers and he told his father these dreams and all of them took offense. You know, what, what do you mean that we're going to bow down to you? And so then here, here he is. He's at the battlefront. They see him coming and uh, they, um, and they are not the battlefront. I'm confusing my story with David. But uh, where, where they were attending the sheep in Dotham. And, um, and they took him. And they cast him in a pit, and uh, they were going to kill him. And uh, uh, Reuben was uh, able to uh, put him in the pit and say, let's leave him there, and uh, so on. But then a caravan came of Ishmaelites, traders, and they took Joseph out and they sold him into slavery. And they took his coat of many colors and dipped it in goat's blood and took it home to his broken-hearted father. Years went by. Jacob or uh, Joseph was elevated to wonderful position. He, he was wrongly, wrongly charged by Potiphar's wife and spent time in jail and so on. But then, th- then we see him and uh, in jail. He has interpreted dreams for the baker and the butler. And uh, now Pharaoh dreams a dream and wants an answer. And none of the wise guys, none of the wise men uh, can uh, answer the dream. But but, uh, anyhow, uh, then the baker remembered, uh, or the butler, I mean, remembered Joseph in prison and sent for him and brought him out. He was able to interpret the dream. And the dream was that there, the interpretation was that there would be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And so, and so, uh, Joseph advised Pharaoh to, um, set aside 20% of each of the harvests during the seven years of plenty and put that in storehouses and use that then when the famine came. When the famine came, uh, Joseph's brothers came down, sent down by, their, by his father to buy grain and they had to buy the grain from their brother. They bought it and so on. And then, and then finally... Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. I'm your brother. And immediately they had an incredible conflict because here is a, 
Here is their brother who at 17 years of age, they sold into slavery. They threw him in a pit. They thought he would die. They sold him into slavery. He was carried off by this caravan. Now, years later, here he is. He is the, uh, he's the Secretary of Agriculture in the, uh, in the, uh, Pharaoh's administration and has come up with this program which prepared for the coming famine. What an amazing thing. He was second to the Pharaoh in power in the country at that time. That's their brother. He was, he was just a 17 year old kid with a coat of many colors. We hated him. We wanted to destroy him. Now here we are at his mercy. What's he going to do to us? Oh my, they were frightened and, and, uh, and then, and then Joseph said, I'm your brother. He said, you did it thinking my harm, but God meant it for good. God sent me down here by that means. By the way, folks, sometimes when difficulty comes, maybe God's wanting to, God's wanting to change some direction in your life. And uh, so, and so God had sent him down there, had elevated him to this place of incredible influence and uh, able to be uh, the, the salvation from starvation, from famine for his brothers. He went to them. He said, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. And then he embraced them. He loved them. He kissed them. What an incredible reunion. His dad, Jacob got to see, got to see his, uh, his whole family again before God took him home. What a wonderful, wonderful reunion they had. How many times families are fractured, torn apart? What can be, what can be that important? What can be that necessary? Friendships destroyed. Sometimes church fellowships. Sometimes people maybe serving the Lord on, on, on teams and, uh, and so on. And uh, yet, how important it is that we be willing to forgive. Um, I need to wind this up. Uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, um, in, in beginning with verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. My, how, how it must grieve His heart when He sees, when He sees us unwilling to forgive someone. You know, I, I found somewhere and jotted it down in my notes. You are never more like God than when you forgive. You're never more like God than when you forgive. 
Unforgiveness will make you angry and bitter. Unforgiveness will give Satan a foothold in your life. Unforgiveness will hinder your fellowship with God. It will hinder your fellowship with your friends and family. The Bible tells us here, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, verse 30. It grieves the heart of God, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, my, there are a lot of bitter people today, bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then notice, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. How important. You know, we, we learn to pray, uh, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he goes on and prays, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. And, uh, and so on. God's Word is telling us to be forgiving. In uh, Matthew 5, 9, He said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that we're soft. Doesn't mean that we're compromising. Means we have a tender heart. Means that we're Christ-like. Because we're forgiving. God, who is absolutely holy, forgives us our offenses. Let me say it again. God, who is absolutely holy, forgives us our offenses to Him. We who are not righteous or holy in ourselves withhold forgiveness. How Christ-like, how Christ-like we can be by being forgiving. Forgiveness, forgiving those will bring a sweet spirit, will resolve problems, will draw us to, to one another. And uh, what a blessed time. Um, I'm going to I'm going to stop with that. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. While you're turning there, let me say. Someone could say, "Well, pastor, you know, I, I let, let me approach it different way. I preached a message here and various places on forgiveness, and uh, you know, people would say, "Well." Pastor, I can't forgive them because they're wrong. Well, of course they're wrong or you would need to forgive them. You forgive them in order to be like Jesus. He forgives us because we're wrong. If they were right, they wouldn't. If we were right, we wouldn't need forgiveness. It's to be like Christ, Christ likeness. And, uh, 
what, what, a, what a higher goal. And think of the, think of the tender, tenderness, the joy, the fellowship, the love, the, uh, the sharing. I mean, I just can't say enough about the good of it. And why would anyone choose, choose to deny themselves all of that blessing, all of that joy, just because of a, just because of a bitterness, just because of an anger, just because of an unforgiving spirit. God help us to be forgiving. In, in Psalm 139, this is a wonderful Psalm. And it gives us, it gives us the attributes, uh, attributes of God. But then we come to the last two verses. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. God help us tonight to have the courage. You know, when the psalmist said, Search me, O God. He made himself very vulnerable. He said, Here I am, search me. Look, look in. Look in closely. Do the MRI in my, in my soul, my spirit. There's anything wrong there. Point it out. Show it to me. That takes great courage. And yet, it's the step in that direction of resolving those things and having a heart, having a heart that's right with God. Father, thank you for safety as we've traveled from various places. Thank you for each dear one who's here tonight. Pray, Lord, for Dave and Kathy as they are on the road and and uh, we'll be here uh, in the morning. Pray for the, uh, for the times we have together around the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you would give each one of us the courage tonight to look. To look with introspection. To look with sincerity. To look and see if there's any wicked way in me. And then, Lord, lead me. Lead me to your feet. Lead me to the foot of the cross. Lead me to that place of forgiveness. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.